you look in your Bibles to Mark chapter 10, we took a couple of weeks off from our study in Mark for Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. And now we're back to Jesus on his way to Jerusalem for all that to take place. We're going to start with verse 17 this morning from Mark chapter 10. As Jesus started on his way, again, heading to Jerusalem, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. We were just singing about the love of, of Jesus. Here Jesus expressed that love to this one man. He loved him. Come, you lack one thing, he said. Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed. And they said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them, persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Got that? The disciples had it right. This is amazing stuff. This is amazing teaching. 
lot of us have heard about um, there's a, a particular um, gate in Jerusalem that was known as the eye of the needle, and that's what Jesus was talking about. But you know what? I was in Israel just back in October. Um, Richard, you were there. Did you see a gate called the eye of the needle? No. It's not on the tour. And as you, as you look into it, as you do some research, there's no evidence of anything like that having ever existed. That story started somewhere around the 11th century that there was a, a gate like that. But that's not true. He's talking about an eye of a needle. Sewers, seamstresses, seamstresses, I don't know, guys who sew too. Um, you know the eye of a needle. Have you noticed as you've gotten older that the eye of the needle's gotten smaller? <laughs> you tried, have you tried threading one of those lately? That is not easy anymore. It's tiny. Camels are not tiny. He's making a big point here. The disciples got it. They're like, what? They're, they're talking, how can anybody be saved if that's how hard it is for a rich person to get saved? How can anybody be saved? And that was a great question. Because it's impossible. That's the point. It's impossible. This rich man that came up to Jesus was aware that there was something special about Jesus. That's why he called him good. You notice Jesus said, what are you calling me good for? That was not the way to approach a rabbi in Israel. Good was only held for God. Now, he was right. Jesus was the good teacher. He's God. And so Jesus didn't say you were wrong about that. He just said, why are you calling me that? Do you, do you know something? Do you believe something? And he's given him an opportunity to see if he did believe that Jesus is God. But no. If he knew Jesus was God, do you think that last statement that Jesus made to him would have caused his face to fall? And remember why his face fell. Remember why he went away sad. He was rich. He had all kinds of stuff, and he ain't given that up. Not for this guy. Now, if he was God, maybe. So apparently he didn't fully believe in who Jesus was. Or he was really, really hooked on his stuff. As we can be. As people rich and poor can be. But particularly those who have a lot seem to have a harder time giving it up. But it's not, it's not just the rich. It's everybody has, has trouble with that. This guy was also unaware, apparently, of what James says in, in, in his epistle, chapter 2, verse 10, where he says, if we break one commandment, we are guilty of breaking them all. This guy had broken the commandments. This guy, this guy wasn't going to be judged by God for all eternity because he didn't give his stuff away. He was going to be judged by God and, and suffer for eternity unless sometime after this he came to faith in Christ, which he very well could have. But if he didn't, he was going to be judged because he broke the law. He sinned against God. This guy was guilty of worshiping things instead of the Savior. He was worshiping 
the, the created, not the creator. And he was going to be judged for that. All of us deserve to be judged for the sins that we've committed. That's what the cross is about. That's what Jesus was going to Jerusalem to take care of. Every single person deserves to have happen to them what happened to the rich man. To go away sad. But because Jesus went on, his, kept on this journey, kept going to Jerusalem, in spite of knowing what he was going to find there, what was going to happen to him there, he went on because he knew that everybody needed this impossible thing to be taken care of. Because salvation is impossible for us. But it's possible for God. He can do it, and he can do it because of what he was about to do through his son at the cross on the place of the skull outside Jerusalem. When Jesus was going to be stripped down, scourged with a terrible whip, have a crown of terribly hard, sharp thorns jammed into his skull, probably some of them breaking into his brain. He was going to go do that because of his great love for us. Did you catch how Mark carefully let us know that he loved that guy? It was, it was for that guy that he was going there. He knew this guy couldn't be saved by following the law. Nobody can be. Nobody can live up to it. Whether it's the Old Testament law that this man was trying to follow or the law that's written on every single person's heart. We can't live up to it. Jesus knows that. He loves us like he loved this guy. And he went to Jerusalem to die. Praise God. Praise God. He loves us. And he went there to die so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins. Hopefully, and again, we have the great advantage of having the word of God. We have the great advantage of having the, the interpretation of the word of God from the Lord Jesus himself and his apostles so that we can understand so much better than that rich man understood. We have such a great advantage. And we can know when we read this, we, cannot sit, we don't sit in judgment on this guy and say, oh man, that guy was sure dumb. No, we know ourselves. We know how we've sinned. And we know how we worship sinful things, wrong things, temporary things, instead of God. How we're guilty of the very things that he was guilty of. But we know that love that Jesus expressed to him. We know that love for ourselves. And we have put our trust, many of us have put our trust in Jesus and what he did on that cross and what he did in his resurrection on the first day of the week. That's today, folks. That's why we're here, because we believe that. Or you may be here because somebody that you love believes that, and they brought you. We're glad they did. We're glad you're here. Because he loves us like he loved this guy. He went to Jerusalem for us. 
And the rewards, amazing. Amazing. Did you hear how he described it to Peter? What, what, isn't that a great answer? You know what you get out of this, Peter? A hundred times more than you ever had before. Because wherever you go and you meet people that know me, they're going to say, come on in. You need a place to stay? You need some food? Come on in. How many of you experienced that? How many of you experienced that multiplication of your family and multiplication of provision through the body of Christ? How many of you experienced that ever? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. If you haven't experienced that, then you're not experiencing what we have here well enough yet. Because this is a picture of what he's talking about. This isn't just an international thing, although it is very, very cool on an international level. Wyatt, one of our most internationally traveled guys at Midway, you've experienced that on every continent, haven't you, Wyatt? Every continent you've been on. They welcome you. They love you. They say, come on. Wyatt wouldn't even have to live here anymore. He could live numerous places because that's how it is. It's so cool when we experience that internationally. But, we ha- but it happens right here too. How many brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers and children do we have here? And we, and we, and we share each other together, how we, how we share that ministry with each other. Some of us are too far away from our family uh, to, to, to have that daily or, or regular experience, and so we get to share it together here. Some of us don't have believing families, and it's a whole different level of fellowship that an unbelieving family has with each other than a believing family has with each other, and so we get that from each other because God multiplies that in this life. Remember, he, that's the this life part of this promise, part of this provision. In this life, we get 100 times what we had before and more. And did you also notice that last, that last part of that? You see, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't all happy. And persecutions, trouble, trials, difficulties. That that's in there too. But you know what? Those persecutions, trials, difficulties, hardships. They are a lot easier in a family. Oh, they're hard. It, it doesn't take away the, the, the pain of them, but it's a lot easier. It, it's a lot better to get through when you got somebody here that you can hang on to. I remember, I hardly knew this guy. His name's Scott Benson. He was a, a fellow seminarian of mine, first, first quarter in seminary in Chicago, and cold, it was already cold, shouldn't have been cold yet, it was really cold already. I had already gotten this, this new coat that was, you could stay warm, you know, for 10 hours in the, at the you know, South Pole with it, it's an amazing coat, I already had it, and I, I was in the bookstore picking up another book, and Sherry popped in there completely out of schedule she's supposed to be at work and she's upset i can see it in her eyes and she lost her job and she's saying how are we going to make it i'm thinking the same thing i didn't tell her that i said this is no problem it's going to be fine you know go home and, and i'll be home after after class are over and whatever and and so i left wondering okay now how are we going to make it 
you know, I sent her home, hopefully encouraged. And I go, I go to check my mail. And there's this guy that, again, I barely knew him, Scott Benson. And he said, Dean, how's it going? <laughs> okay, now, Scott is a normal size guy. Okay? And he barely knows me. Remember, I barely know him. He barely knows me. All he knows about me pretty much is I got this really big voice and I'm huge. All right? Well, he just found out how heavy I was too. All right? And, and how wet my tears are. Because he's just like, you know, he's just, after a few minutes, he says, let's go get a cup of coffee. So we go. I needed a brother right there. My brother was in Lesotho. Figure out where that is. Experiencing all this there. He was in Lesotho. My sister was in Georgia. My mom and dad were in Georgia. I needed somebody at that moment. Scott Benson filled the bill. He hardly knew me, but he knew me. He knew I was his brother. He didn't care that right there in the middle of everybody that I was having a moment. He didn't care. He knew I needed him. And, and I'll tell you the rest of the story some other time. That just started this whole amazing thing, that, this amazing date they gave me and Sherry, him and a bunch of these other guys. It's amazing. And you know what? We never missed a meal. We never missed a meal. It wasn't long. She had another job. But even before that, we didn't miss a meal. He took care of everything, as he does. And you know how he did it? Because I have a hundred times more moms and dads and brothers and sisters and children, a hundred times more. And when I was persecuted, when I was down, when I was struggling for that brief moment, there was the body of Christ. This is an amazing thing. This is an amazing prophecy that Jesus is making to these guys. They hadn't experienced this yet. They were about to live this as we're living it. And persecutions. Because they do come. But when they come, we're not alone. And you also then notice after persecutions, he mentions another pretty cool subject. You know what else comes with the impossible forgiveness of sins and salvation through Jesus Christ? Eternal life. Eternal life is coming. That's what we're looking forward to. That time that's going to last forever. That's going to put everything that's great about this world to shame. And make us forget about everything that's not great about this world. That's coming. That's promised to every one of us who put our trust in Jesus and not our things. And not our position and not our standing. And not our ability to adjust and to endure and to, and to do great things for God. None of those things count. None of those things matter. But for those of us who believe, did you notice what, what Abraham was credited to as, as righteous? Did you notice what that was? Remember back to that. Abram believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Hello, Jesus in the Old Testament. As he is all over the place in there. Abram believed God. He believed God that God was going to keep his promise. You know who's in the promise to Abram? Jesus. Jesus is in that promise. 
And just as Abram believed in the promise of God, those of us who believe in Jesus believe in the promise of God, and it is credited to us as righteousness. He makes us righteous. Talk about a a camel going through the eye of a needle. Talk about impossible, making people like us righteous. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. He's serious. He makes us the righteousness of God. Not by being righteous, but by believing in Jesus the righteous. That he did this for us. Just like this rich man said, good teacher. We believe he's good and only God is good. We believe he's God. And then when he went to the cross, he went there for us because he loves us. Because we needed him to. He's the only one that could do it. And then he rose again victorious as we celebrated so wonderfully last week, as we celebrate again so wonderfully today. He rose again to give new life, new birth as he promised Nicodemus, new birth to all of us who believe. And you know what it looks like to the world? Ridiculous. That's what Jesus is talking about. The first will be last and the last will be first. The people who have it all together here and brag about it and show it off and all that kind of stuff, you know their position? Last. You know who's first? The people who don't count on anything that they've done. Don't promote anything that they've done, but believe in Jesus. To the world, that sounds ridiculous. But to us, that sounds like Jesus. Because, I mean, look at, look at that. That is not a beautiful decoration. That, that, hanging that up there is like hanging a guillotine up there, dripping with blood. It's the same thing. It's a, a, an instrument of execution. It is nuts. But as we sang last week, the old rugged cross. There's something special about that thing to us. Because as Jesus looked at that young ruler, he loved him. He loves us. He did that for us. This is impossible stuff. The disciples were sure of it. They, 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 They could not believe what they were hearing. Jesus said, with man, this is impossible stuff, but not with God. And so we're here celebrating. Some of us have already experienced what this is about. And we've put our trust in Jesus, and we know the truth of all that. We're living this. Others are just getting started with us, and others are just checking it out. I want to tell you, believe in Jesus. He's He's obviously working in your life if you don't know him yet he is working in your life he brought you here or you're or you're watching online today he he is working in your life he is drawing you to believe in jesus if if what we've read this morning isn't enough although it's a lot keep reading keep reading see what he did for you And realize who he is that did this for you. Our creator, our sustainer, our savior. 
He did this. He loves you. And there isn't a sin. the, The rich man had a bad sin. He had more than that, but one that was pointed out. A really bad one. He was worshiping the created instead of the creator. That wasn't too much for Jesus to forgive. None of your sins are too much for Jesus to forgive. He will do that. He's promised. He even told told Zacchaeus and the crowd that was with him, with Zacchaeus in Luke 19, he said, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you recognize your sin and you think it's too much for him to forgive, you're in good company. Everybody thinks that about their sin. But we're the very ones that he came to save. None of your sin is too much for him. He died on that cross for all of them. So believe in him. Put your trust in him. Believe what he said he would do. He has promised to do it and he will do it for you even as he did it for his apostles, even as he's done it for many of us who are here today. Let your life become a celebration of God doing the impossible, saving you from your sins. And if he saved you, continue the celebration. This is abundant life. Let's bow together for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning for doing the impossible. So many times, so many ways, but especially in the ways that you saved each one of us who believe. There's so many different stories of how you did it, but all the stories come back to the same thing. We ended up believing in Jesus. Thank you, Jesus for doing that for us. And we pray for each of those who are with us today, in whatever means, we pray that you would work in their lives, that you would remind them, as you reminded this rich man, that you love them and that you did this for them and you're waiting for them to put their trust in you. And all of these promises will come to them, including eternal life. We praise you, Father, for providing for us eternal life through Jesus, your son. And it's in his name we pray. It's in his name we're going to sing. It's in his name we celebrate on the first day of the week. Jesus, amen.